It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey there, welcome to The Tents. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, today I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that we we talk about now and then um, about feeding fishes, but sort of from a different approach. I mean, we talk a lot about how to feed our fishes and how best to provide nutrition for them. However, have you ever thought of how it might be possible to create an interesting fish community or and or display in your aquarium based on the different feeding strategies of fishes? So in other words, aquascaping or configuring your tank to support the various feeding adaptations of different fishes. <laughs> Ponder that possibility for a little bit. Now, if you think about it, a typical, I don't know, tropical stream has a variety of different feeders. Many of our favorite fishes may be classified as what, they, what ecologists call paraphyton grazers, which have really small mouths, fleshy lips, and numerous tiny teeth for rasping. Paraf- now, paraphyton, by the way, is defined as you know, freshwater organisms attached to or cling to plants and or other objects above the bottom sediment. Oh, sounds good to me, right? This stuff is abundant in all sorts of streams, but can be limited by availability of light and solid substrates upon which to grow. So for this reason, specialized grazing fishes are rather uncommon in streams that contain like shifting sand substrates, especially where there's dense shading by overhanging trees and shrubs. Now in streams that possess muddy bottoms, there's typically not enough aquatic plant or woody materials present to support an extensive community of paraphytons sufficient to support these grazing fishes. Now in these types of habitats, many grazing fishes feed on our old fave, detritus, and other sediments that are you know, rich in organic matter, especially during various times of the year when the paraphyton is more limited. So stuff like fungi, diatoms, and of course biofilms provide additional nutrition for fishes that graze. So our decomposing leaf litter and seed pods and all that stuff are quite useful for supporting this growth. <laughs> And so you see how it sort of cycles back into our aquariums. It's noteworthy to point out that detritus is a less nutritious resource for grazers than the typical paraphyton, especially for fishes like, you know, loricarid catfishes and fishes like that. And it's thought by scientists to be only actively consumed when the paraphyton growth is limited. So interestingly, fishes do shift their feeding patterns to adapt to seasonal and other changes in the habitat. That's something that we can replicate in our aquariums also, no doubt. Now, as we've talked about before, uh, aquatic invertebrates and crustaceans are one of the primary food consumed by many fishes which reside in tropical streams, and the amounts and types are dictated by the environment of the stream. And that includes many factors like the surrounding topography, current, elevations, surrounding plant growth, etc., 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 now, many fishes like headstanders and fishes like that simply consume tiny crustaceans as part of their sediment feeding activity. Now, we're not likely to set up aquariums with fine, silty sediments stocked with tons of little copepods and worms and such, but, well, maybe we are, right? We could. And if we were, I wonder how long it would take a few fishes to decimate the population. That's the limiting factor. Um, you know, 
it is possible to create a real active substrate, you know, filled with these little organisms and be able to pre-stock it with tons of small life forms prior to the introduction of the fishes. The, the, the question I have is, would there be some way to replenish the population of these creatures and thus the substrate itself periodically? It'd be an interesting experiment to think about. I was thinking about actually setting up an aquarium, uh, you know, in my little secret laboratory here, setting up a little aquarium filled with a whole bunch of sediment and detritus and stuff and simply growing some of these organisms in there, periodically netting some of this stuff out and during routine maintenance, replenishing one of my aquariums with there's a substrate with this extra substrate. Would that work? I wonder if that's doable. Well, it's possible, right? All these different feeding strategies can be you know, brought out in the aquarium hobby. And then there's those insects, you know, the terrestrial ones like ants, flies, spiders, etc., etc. They're especially important to fishes which reside in streams and rainforests and other locales where the land and water interact extensively, like areas of riparian vegetation or those flooded forests that, you know, I'm obsessed with. Now, they're not everybody's cup of tea, I, I know, but could, for example, Ants, which make up a surprisingly large part of the diet based on gut content analysis of some fishes like kerosens and even some cichlids in Amazonian streams, could they be a practical supplement food for our fishes? I could just see a sudden surge in the popularity of ant farms as hobbyists race to, you know, culture their own, you know, populations of these insects. It's possible. And actually, it's quite interesting. Um, insects, again, if you read gut content analyses, go on sites like Fishbase and some of these scholarly articles in Google Scholar when you're looking at your favorite fishes in that light. You can read these gut content analysis, and a lot of what these fishes eat are terrestrial insects, arthropods and, meaning you know, spiders and stuff like that. So nothing goes to waste in nature, right? In the forests of South America and Asia and Africa, where these streams run throughout the year, there's numerous alichthonus resources to be had. And if you remember, alichthonus input is material that comes from outside of the aquatic environment to feed the animals within the aquatic environment. So you can find all kinds of stuff like fruits, flowers, the aforementioned terrestrial insects, seeds, uh, and all that kind of stuff which fall into the water and they help comprise part of the diet of many fishes. Now, interestingly, it's thought that many of the fruit and seed-eating fishes like Myelis, Metanis, and other kerosens, the big guys that most of us don't keep, they don't actually destroy the seeds when, of the fallen fruits when they consume them. And this might actually be a significant seed dispersal agent for riparian and floodplain trees in these areas, which I think is really amazing. So they, they eat the stuff and they poop them out. And the, that's where the trees grow. Now, interestingly, lots of these fishes also consume insects and aquatic invertebrates depending upon the season, which is a strategy that makes sense as it takes advantage of what's available at different times of the year. Now, there are a fair number of fishes that consume aquatic plants, or more properly, parts of aquatic plants. We all know this. We had that barb that tears up your kabamba or whatever when you were a kid. Uh, and planted aquarium people know not to include certain fishes in their in their displays, unless they want to have chopped salad floating all over the you know the top of the tank. So fishes like dorid catfishes and anamostids, you know the big pencil fish type guys, they actually eat parts of aquatic plants. And often they're consuming just the epiphytic algae and such in the process and maybe munching a piece or two off. But if you're keeping plants and that's your thing, it's probably not going to make you feel any better knowing that it wasn't going after the plant itself. Now, look, I'm not suggesting to utilize plants in your aquascape for feeding purposes. However, it's not entirely out of the realm of reality to do this, right? Now, a lot of omnivorous fishes in the wild are removing the paraphyton from the roots of floating plants in streams. So it's 
makes some sense to utilize these plants as a sort of in situ culture station in your aquascape or your aquarium to support the feeding habits of many fishes like some kerosens, danios, barbs, etc. Now, again, feeding strategies and setting up an aquarium based on the feeding habits of fishes is probably something we haven't really thought about much before for a variety of reasons. I mean, the idea of you know setting up a silty substrate filled with worms and stuff doesn't excite many people, although in our community, it's starting to excite more and more. But it's interesting to contemplate designing a biotope or other type of aquarium around feeding. It's an important but often overlooked aspect of fish behavior when it comes to tank design, that is. And with a little research, with a little planning, a little lot of experimentation, what kind of interesting discoveries could you make? What breakthroughs in fishes that were previously thought hard to keep or, or feed, like knife fishes, maybe some of these wild, tiny little knife fishes and interesting mormurids, maybe, maybe their feeding habits are changing in an environment that's set up specifically for the way they feed. You know, when you combine our much-evolved expertise in fish feeding with our love of you know, aquascaping or biotope aquariums and then our newfound infatuation with botanical materials, it seems almost a natural combination, doesn't it? I think it is. We'll talk about this a little more in the future, but something to think about for today. It was on my mind and hopefully it'll pop into your head too. In the meantime, stay creative, stay curious, stay studious, stay innovative, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from 10 and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The 10th.